Dotnet Rocks, episode 1069, with guest David Bozjak. Recorded Monday, November 24th, 2014. Hey, guess what? It's time for .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. I'm on the East Coast. He's on the West of North America, of course. Mm -hmm. In two different countries at the same time. And did you avoid the snowpocalypse there, my friend? I totally avoided snowpocalypse. Nice. First of all, anyone from Buffalo? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. That was some amazing photographs. Oh, yeah. And uh, we really, we on the East Coast here really appreciate the pictures. So, we go... Oh, my God. That's Look a at, shame. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> yeah, we've been socked a few times. Not not that Buffalo hasn't, and I'm not saying anything about I'm saying I'm sorry, Buffalo, man. They do know how to handle snow. I mean, yes, those guys got out there and moved a lot of snow. But let lake effect snow. I mean, I thought nor'easters were scary, but that lake effect snow is awesome. The lake effect is a whole nother monster. Yep, no yeah, no kidding. So anyway, I put out my... Uh, annual waiting for the summer to come video on uh, <laughs> Facebook for my friends of Buffalo and in the right. Midwest. And they were uh, very appreciative of that. So let's kick things off with a, a really timely Better Know Framework. All right, buddy, what do you got? Okay. Well, as you know, I've, I've got this MacBook Pro. By the way, I did a great post-conference on Xamarin Forms at Dev Intersection with this thing. Um, I basically dedicated the first half of the day to setup because setting up a Xamarin environment right. is tweaky. <laughs> That's a nice way to put That's it. That's the politest thing I think I've ever heard there you say. There are so many moving parts yeah. and sometimes so difficult to debug that um, you know, you need a lot of help. You need, it takes a room full of people to help everybody. Right. But the good news is, is that by lunchtime, we were down to only a couple. And after lunch, there was only one person. And granted, I had said, you know, it's got to be a Windows 8.1 machine. Right. You know, don't bring any crippled machines. Don't bring any, you know, machines that you use for work. A handful of people showed up with Windows 7 machines that, that were completely locked down because they were their corporate machines. Right. And a few of them just went, oh, I'm sorry, I'm out of here. But uh, a couple stayed on and did the manual installation. But long story short, by the time I started, everybody was rolling with at least one platform. Nice. Yeah. And then we got through all the material. It was great. It worked for everybody. It was perfect. However, I was using Parallels. You know, it's a virtual machine. And I was running Windows 8.1 just in parallels. However, the Mac comes with a thing called Boot Camp that is just built into the OS that allows you to boot directly onto a Windows partition. The cool thing about it is uh, you can also load that partition in parallels when you're on the Mac side. So if I want raw metal Windows 8.1, I just boot into it. Right. And if I want to do Xamarin development, I boot into the Mac and then load up my bootcamp Windows partition in a VM so that I can do the, you know, the cross-platform development because you do need to have a Mac running at the same time so that you, it can compile your iOS stuff. Cool? So far? Right. All right. So over the last couple of nights, I decided to do the bootcamp thing. 
With Windows 8.1, it's a little weird. It's also a little tweaky because uh, supposedly they only support seven. However, you can go into the partition and uh, and change it so that it will support Windows 8.1 before you install. Anyway, I got through that, but here's the problem that I had. Okay, brand new Visual Studio 2013 setup, downloading everything, downloading Xamarin, downloading all the stuff. I go to pull up a new mobile app project with a portable class library, which is the sort of the holy grail. This means that you're set up and it works. And I get some weird error. And the weird error wasn't anything related to the solution, of course. You know, it's like cannot load Xamarin Forms, basically. And it all everything pointed to a NuGet package. So uh, I just went scanning and scanning and scanning. And after an hour or so, about as long as it's taking me to describe what happened, uh, I finally found one line in a form that says, oh, you need to install the NuGet package manager that is at least version 2.8.3. Oh. So I found the NuGet package manager for Visual Studio 2013 online at tinyurl.com slash nugetpm2013, N-U-G-E-T-P-M-2013, wondering why this just didn't install when I installed Visual Studio. Yeah, this doesn't sound like something that should be optional. This doesn't sound optional, but it's like one of those moving parts things, you know? Right. So you had an older version of NuGet installed? Yes, and I installed Visual Studio 2013 from the web installer. Right. And we're talking, well, today's the 24th. So this was the 23rd, last night, yesterday. Right? right? So, and this uh, NuGet package manager I just described was from 11.6. So it's been almost 20 days. And it's still not the default NuGet to install with Studio 2013. Correct. That's not right. And Xamarin depends on it. Right. Yeah. So there you go. So you're having these weird problems. And everybody was having these problems on the forum, too, and uh, on the Xamarin forum. But nobody could figure out the solution. I just found one comment somewhere, you know, that pointed to this. And that solved all the problems, by the way. What a nasty whammy. Good find, dude. Yeah. Stories of woe from real developers. <laughs> Stories of woe. <laughs> I'll do a like, whole I show. I remember, remember when uh, we did, I mean, it was in the 400s with that show on Is Software Development Too Complex? Yeah. And that was at the time when the stack was so fragmented. There were so many different pieces you could install. And it feel you know, mobile is in the same place. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Right. Especially when you have stuff that's not in the box. Right. Depending on stuff that's in the box. Et cetera, et cetera. When it gets back to this old argument that a lot of people just won't do anything that doesn't come in the Microsoft box. Yeah. It's yeah. too hard to make work. Well, just every once in a while, you get thrown a bone like this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and I appreciate this idea of just trying to get to Hello World on three platforms. That It's pretty, actually, if you think about it, it's pretty awesome. You're not just installing one platform, you're installing three. Right. And plus Xamarin. Plus yeah. the latest Visual Studio. And one could even argue that the tablet and the phone are different platforms. Sure, sure. Now you're up to six. Yeah. But, you know, if you're talking development environments, this is sort of, yeah. It's, it's wonky. It's a tall order, and it's yeah. tweaky. Let's just say that. Tweaky. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Yep. Thank you, buddy. You're welcome. Who's talking to us now? Grabbed a comment off a of show 1018. That's the show we did with Rick Strahl when we talked about building mobile web apps. And this comment comes from Morton Olson. He says, great show as always, guys. Regarding load testing, and if you remember in that show, Rick talked about a load testing tool he built for testing mobile apps. 
regarding load testing, I just wanted to point Rick and other people in need to a free, simple load test tool at gatling.io. That's G-A-T-L-I-N-G dot I-O. Nice. I'm using this to do load testing of our web API backend, and it's been pretty simple going so far. In a nutshell, Gatling is a DSL for load testing written in Scala. Wow. Scala keeps coming up, doesn't it? The functional language naturally multiple threaded. It makes a lot of sense for a load testing mm-hmm. tool. It does a lot of cool stuff, including some awesome post-run reports, and will run on whatever machine you put it on. So keep up the good work. And I just I appreciated that as, hey, you know, here's some more tools for you to look at if you've got to stress that back end piece for yourself. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, Morton, thanks so much for the tip. I'm going to go take a look at Gatling.io, and a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or in any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And before we go any further, let me tell you, Pluralsight is home to the largest technology and creative training library on the planet. They have thousands of developer, IT, and creative courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. Still releasing dozens of new courses every month and offering a 10-day free trial with 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight offers a wide range of developer training courses, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much anything and everything on the Microsoft stack. So try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to our esteemed guest today. David Bojak is a software developer at Microsoft, developing the Lumia Imaging SDK. He has many years of back-end experience on the .NET platform using C-sharp and C++, and he comes from a big data background, but is now focused on SDKs and good API design. Welcome, David. Thanks. Thanks for having me. In fact, after all these years listening to you, uh, I have a hard time grasping that this is interactive now. It is weird, isn't it? Um, I hear it's weird. Uh, people <laughs> who've been listening to us for a long time, especially if we they get in the same room or you know, sitting down at a meal or something like that, and they just hear Richard and I talk. This is how we talk. It's weird. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really interested in your uh, Nokia Imaging SDK. This is um, something that you guys have been using internally and then uh, brought it to light and, and opened it up. How to, What can you do with it? Right. So the, our SDK allows the user to edit uh, everything from basic editing, like cropping and rotating, mm-hmm. to applying more complex functions like curves or autofix. Mm-hmm. And then we also have some special effects that we're really proud of, like foreground, background segmentation, wow. and lens blur, or I think it's otherwise known as bokeh in photography circles. Wow. Now, just before we get into what it can do, let's just talk about uh, where it came from and you know what platforms it supports and all of that stuff. Right, so this was initially uh, published by Nokia. Uh, We were part of the Microsoft acquisition. So right now you will still find our SDK under the name Nokia Imaging SDK, but that will change Mm -hmm. in the near future. So uh, initially the SDK was to provide imaging functionality on Windows Phone 8. But since then we have also expanded it to Windows Phone 8.1 and also Windows 8.1. And that runs on x86, x64, and ARM. So great, pretty much all the Microsoft stack. The whole Microsoft stack. And, and like you said, this is when I go to my Lumia phone, I take a picture and I do some cropping and rotating and stuff. That's the code I'm using. 
that's the code you're using. And apart from that, it's also been used in over 2,000 apps that has been published in the Microsoft Store. So if you have an app that you love that's using the some imaging component, it's most likely using our SDK. And uh, is there stuff in the SDK that you published that isn't on the phone? Like, you know, filters or effects or, or the, is everything that you can do with it right there on the phone? Oh, no. So uh, we, we publish a lot more stuff that you can do just with the phone without any apps on it. Okay. So is it like those 50 filters and effects? Is that what you're talking about here? Exactly. So we, we offer over 50 effects. So we're talking everything from making your image cartoon to something really HDR effect, so high dynamic range. So like both ends of the spectrum. Huh. We also support developers to create their own effects and insert them into the pipeline so that we will they will be able to uh, take benefit from the random access JPEG that we are using internally. That's very cool. Um, let's dig into some of these things here because some of this I'm reading for the first time right now, like um, partial JPEG decoding. So is this like for previews instead of having to load up an entire photo, which could be high res? What does it do? It scans the image and gets a sort of a, a more pixelated or blurry uh, fast preview? Uh, no, so that's not exactly what it is. So okay. uh, random access JPEG allows you to do processing on a full JPEG. So all the pixels you have there without having to de-encode all of it at once. So you can have high-end processing even on a low-end device that only has, let's say, a gigabyte of RAM and you have a five megapixel image or like these phones have amazing cameras these days. So they have a lot of pixels, but they don't have enough RAM to just have everything in memory and do processing on it. Oh, I see. So this is something like if you want to apply an effect or something like that, that this will, exactly. you don't have to load up the whole thing into memory. Yeah, but yeah. that's all taking done behind the scenes. So if you use our SDK, you don't have to worry about that at all. So. David, is this different from progressive JPEG, this random access JPEG? Um, so I know that there are two different technologies. I'm not exactly sure what the differences between them are. Okay, fair enough. And um, a whole bunch of other things that I see in here, and I'm interested in this list of enhancements and effects. You said cartoonizing? <laughs> Whoa. Oh, there's a cartoon filter. There is a fog what, what, filter. What, wait a minute. What is the cartoon filter? I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're focusing on that one. That was my plan all along. <laughs> yeah, good. It sounds uh, fun. So cartoon filter is one of those things. So you take a photo, and then you will render a, like um, an image that looks like it's been drawn with a you know a set of crayons. Okay. That's what most of my images look like. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it... It, you will still recognize all the important elements of the picture, but you will, yeah, it looks like it's it was drawn. That's awesome. This looks like an Instagram toolkit. <laughs> Pretty much. So you can do all of the all of the apps like this have a use something like this. So you have different filters that you can combine, and you can do advanced stuff. So let's say we have a curves filter that takes curves that you can prototype in Photoshop. You know, set set the curve points, hmm. and then you will do the same operation on the phone, and you will expect it to look wow. reasonably similar. Now, I'm not going to walk through this list of features because I'm stupid about this, but let me just ask you, if you had to pick the coolest thing that is in the SDK, what is it? 
oh, that's really easy for me. I, I would pick lens blur or the bokeh I mentioned in the intro. So that's, that's I think, is a really impressive functionality. So let, let me, so that's not so known uh, outside of photography, but do you remember uh, if you ever watch a video and let's say the characters will be in the foreground mm. and, and the background will be really blurry and it will have shapes where the dots of lights are. So right. it will be either a circle or a hexagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can you could focus on different things in the picture. Is that it? So you can go from the foreground to the background. Right. So with the bouquet, you will you will blur some parts of the image, and yeah, the developer gets to decide which ones, of course. Got and it. you'll get to choose which shapes will be used. So you could have you could have, of course, the circle, the normal one, or the hexagon, which is photorealistic. Uh, but then you can also you know have some fun with it, and you can have like flowers or uh, stars. Sure. Or we also expose it that the the developer can provide their own image, and that will be used. So you could have, let's say, the, the name of your app hmm. written in the sky if you had a photo of a uh, skyline at night. You know. Wow, that's cool. Now, I mean, normally this is done with Photoshop, right? right. But this is a bokeh is a really a complex effect of sort of cutting apart the picture and making the background more blurred or pixelated, things like that. Like you're doing this on a phone. And let me just, before you answer that, let me just say that bokeh is B-O-K-E-H. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, so you do this on a phone, even on a low-end device. Or, as I mentioned before, we support the whole stack. So you can can have universal app. You can write your code once and, you know, then have it work on a tablet, on the big windows, on the phone. Just It just works. That's awesome. It's really neat, yeah. So is this portable class library code then or universal code what is the what's the actual format of of the SDK uh, the SDK comes in a nugget so as we've heard in the intro you, you you install it and hopefully you have the right nugget tool installed and then it will just work it will put it uh, in there internally we the, we publish uh, DLLs and WinMD files and that will be taken up by your by your app so you'll just have a reference and then you'll just write a using statement and you're ready to go. And then it's really just getting your head around all these capabilities. Yeah, but we're, so our team is really focused on getting the API right that not only imaging experts get to have fun. Right. So we have, we, we section our SDK in three very simple constructs. So you have the storage file image source or a bitmap uh, that you'll load in some way it can even come from a stream or a buffer so it will be a stream image source or you can do a direct um, real-time viewing so it can be a camera preview image source so you'll have those image sources all set up and then you'll have your editing pipeline where all the filters come in as bokeh as cartoon Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and then you'll have a renderer. So we we support different kind of kinds of renderers. So it will be just a JPEG render if you your end result is just a JPEG that you want to post to a website or something. It can be writable bitmap render if you want to use the result in an app and display it and interact with it. Uh, or it can be a bitmap render that's mostly for internal use if you want to pass it somewhere around or store it in just in memory. Or it can be a GIF render, which we also support now. So I guess what I was getting at before is if I have a Windows Universal app, you know, one that's going to target Windows Store, Windows Phone, Windows 8.1, whatever, 
all of those things and I go and I install the package in that, that's going to work? Or do I need to specifically create a Windows Phone project or a Windows Store project? No, you can go and create a universal app. So you will, you know, Visual Studio will display your free project there. So that will be something like .NET Rocks sample app .shared, .NET Rocks sample app .Windows Phone, and .Windows. Mm. So all that you need to do is you can you need to reference the nugget in both of the apps. So in .Windows and .Windows Phone, because the shared part doesn't have references. Okay, great. But since our API is the same for both, it, you can have all your editing code in the shared part of the project, and both of them will just take it as a reference, and you won't have to worry about different code paths. Awesome. Yeah, from a project management perspective, this is pretty straightforward. And you know, now you sort of get into, how many photo apps do we need, David? Like, <laughs> this is not just about taking pictures. Exactly. And that's one of the big things that we think about. So obviously, we don't want to have 2000 apps that do the same filters. Right. Uh, and just have the user decide if they want Instagram or Snapchat or whatever uh, better. So we're really hoping to encourage developer creativity. So one way they can do that is, you know, by using, let's say, curves filter. They can imagine completely different curves that uh, that nobody has used before and get some interesting effects out of out of there. Or we can also uh, support custom filters. So then, you know, they have access to before and after memory bytes and they can do whatever they want with, with them. And that has led to some great creativity. I must say that the community really came through. So there was even a guy who put up an article showing augmented reality with our imaging SDK. Wow. So you have the have the preview and then you, you know, render all these geo uh, effects onto it. So, yeah, it's augmented reality using the SDK. So wow. that was really impressive. So you could live in a cartoon world. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know some people who already do live in a cartoon world. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean they, I'm trying to think of something other than taking photos. Like how could I, like I, the HDR piece seems interesting to me that if we were uh, assessing damage on a car, for example, that the ability to easily do that real high definition uh, multispectral imagery would make for better record keeping around the damage to the car. Yeah, that sounds like a valid use case. So you could, so we still work on the, let's say if you take a photo and then load that, that's still a JPEG. So right. there is limited things we can do with that data, but we can't invent new information from from what you've already captured. Right. But there are all sorts of interesting issues. So it's not just a beautification or something. Wow. Yeah, I think that's part of the challenge here. Like I, I would think anybody who wants to do anything with imaging, and I'm thinking back to a show we did a while back, Carl, uh, was it Martin Yule? Where yes. We were talking about... Computer vision. Yeah, computer vision, that maybe these SDKs would help with with uh, parsing vision data or even forensics right you know if you if you're wanting to analyze pictures that have already been taken and apply different filters to them to bring out things that you can't see uh you know that that's the classic imaging uh example yeah it's a good thought what do you what do you, what do you think david like just being able to point at a catalog of images and have it go through some processing so it's not about taking the photo it's about analyzing existing photos 
Yeah, you could definitely do that. And that seems like a valid use case. Since you won't have a big memory footprint, you could do a lot of the analysis on the phone and then push that to, let's say, push some data to, to the server. So you mm -hmm. don't have to keep all the images in the cloud. And you mentioned this before about keeping the memory footprint down. So how do you apply a filter? You know, how do you apply cartoon to something to a, a you know, 30 megapixel image without consuming a huge amount of memory? Right. So here is uh, where the our technology, so technology of random access JPEG comes to place. Mm -hmm. So it will process the whole image in small tiles. So it will do the whole tile at the same time, but the, the tile might only be, let's say, 100 by 100 pixels. So that doesn't right. consume a lot of memory. And it will, it will use a clever mechanism to assemble that at the end of the pipeline. So at no point did you need to have the whole image decoded. So you can, you, you, you're not capped by the device's images. Oh, I see. So, but you separated off the setup step where you're figuring out with a thumbnail view what you want to do to the image, and then you do sort of a streamed piece-by-piece piece actual render. So the developer could definitely do that. That's something right. that the app is in charge. So if you set a size on the render uh, that is going to be 100 by 100, so a small thumbnail, we won't need more memory than that in the whole process, even if the original image is is big. So you could have one of those, you know, filter editors at the bottom of the page where you display all of your filters, and that was done really fa fast. And then when a user clicks on one, then you you do processing on a bigger picture, right. so let's say a screen-sized, and then the user presses save, and then you do it on the full picture. So let's say a uh, 10 megapixel image, and you do right. that directly to disk. So so if you share that image, you'll let's say on Facebook or somewhere, you'll still have a very high quality image with lots of pixels. Right. So you're never damaging the image, but you're never trying to load the whole thing in memory at once. Right. Exactly. And that's I think that's one of the clever the secret sauce pieces here is this idea that you can manipulate at low resolution and then when you render, you render at full resolution. Exactly. And of course, thinking about it, there are some effects that need bigger spaces than just the area that they're processing right now right so even in computer science the the box blur that that needs some pixels around it mm -hmm. yeah uh, the the engine behind the scenes takes care of that so even if you're applying a custom filter and you need some pixels outside of the range we we have means to provide that to the developer so it will be very easy for him and he won't have to worry what's the what's the tile size and how things works behind the scenes it will be very easy to just you know, I need these pixels, this is the data I need, so give it to me. And the engine behind it, it will provide it. That's awesome. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is? Oh, it must be that happy time again. You know it. It's time to blur the lens of this interesting conversation to discover a picture-perfect model of stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> How dumb is it? It's so dumb. <laughs> Sorry. It's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club today. But before I tell you who won, Telerik DevCraft is the most complete .NET toolbox for web, mobile, and desktop development. With the addition of UI for Xamarin to the DevCraft bundle, you can now create compelling native mobile experiences with your C-sharp skills. Download a free trial at tinyurl.com slash devcrafttrial. Awesome, dude. Who's our winner? 
Today's winner is Bupendra Patel from Oxford, UK. Congratulations, Bupendra. Golf clap for you, sir. Bupendra was very happy to receive this. Quote, I never win anything. End quote. <laughs> you are mistaken. <laughs> yeah, so he just won uh, Telerik Devcraft. Uh, big pile of awesome from Telerik. If you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away sponsor stuff. And every December, coming right up here, we're going to be giving away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. Indeed. And we're going to be picking that winner very soon, so you want to stay tuned for that. For sure. And we'd like to ask our guest, David, if you had 5000 US to spend on technology right now, what would you buy? Oh, wow. Well, I've thought about this. I knew it was coming. And, well, this one is a bit borderline, especially it's a bit of a contrast to what your guests usually say. But I would really want to get one of those full DNA genome sequencing. It's really wow. cheap now. It gets like down to $1,000. And there's so much data in there that they can analyze. And I just, I really wanted to be a part of it, you know. So given the opportunity, my first grant would go for that. I actually did that. I think it was 150 bucks, and you send some spit off in the mail. Oh, that's the 23andMe? 23andMe, yeah, before they got closed down by the FTA or whatever it was. Yeah, but uh, yes, I, I agree. That's a good thing to spend it on. But that's only 23. The full sequence is thousands. Right. And it used to be, well, they said it was a billion dollars for the first one, and it went down from there. So, David, no imaging stuff? For example, I'm holding in my hand right now the Oculus Rift Development Kit 2 device. Oh, wow. Ooh, fancy. That is fancy. I'm looking forward to that. But uh, nothing like that? Uh, not really imaging. You know, the, the Lumia has plenty of imaging capabilities for me. But since I do have some money left to spend, I think I would also get a treadmill desk. Yes! <laughs> I have a standing desk here in the office, but treadmill desk just seems way more cooler. So Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and you can definitely spend five grand on a treadmill desk. No problem. People will <laughs> take your money. Yeah. You know, I was think I was thinking about the uh, bouquet concept. The, this that particular image. And it's obviously it's the new hotness. Everybody likes making pictures like this. I was trying to think, and it's it is so appealing. I was trying to figure out why. Why is this so appealing? And it sort of hit me. This is what dreams look like. Mm. <laughs> I, w I was looking at a, a technology for the, one of the geek out notes uh, sets that I'm working on where they were actually starting to map images from the human brain, map dream sequences. And one of the things they found was that in a dream sequence, the foreground and background images are separate in your mind. And so they were able to actually extract an image from someone's dream that had the foreground completely missing and the background was there. That is so weird. It's so strange. And it sort of speaks to you about this whole you know, what a bokeh image really is, is separating the perception of foreground and background. Hmm. Blur or everything, you know, what makes that picture cool is, you know, little girl sitting in a garden on a bench and all the flowers are just sort of blurry around her. Yeah. And it's, your mind works like that, that you're focused in on the child and it's just sort of a sense of color surrounding. And I think it just, it's almost like it's relieving to your mind to have an image doing what your brain naturally does anyway. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah, I never thought of it. That's how my brain works, dude. <laughs> that is really, Don't ask me why. Really, really strange. 
are you talking about, um, and I don't mean imaging dreams in general, but are you talking about analyzing brainwaves to see what images they have in their mind based on training? Do you know that this thing that I'm talking about? No. So, you know, you have your emotive or your EEG or whatever that's looking at your brainwaves and you train it by looking at pictures of things. You know, when, whenever you're looking at something, whatever you're looking at or thinking about gets recorded. And so those brainwaves get associated with those pictures or those thoughts. And then they analyze your brainwaves when you sleep and see if any of those match, see right. if any of those pop up. And so it's quite possible now to say, oh, last night you were dreaming about, you know, your kid or you were dreaming about your dog or whatever. And like, oh, yeah, I was. Yeah. That's kind of creepy. No, it's and that's exactly, you know, it was a year or so ago that there started being these reports about them getting people to sleep inside of magnetic resonance imaging machines. And then they were able to actually literally render images from your dream sequence. Right. But this whole idea that deeply wired in our mind is a separation between foreground and background data. That's so weird. And that that appeal of the, the bokeh image mm. is that it does that separation for you. Right. Like it's almost a relaxing image to look at because your brain doesn't have to do it. Yes. And then and then when you focus on some, you know, this is the thing that you were talking about, David, in a movie or something, you focus on something in the background while the foreground is blurry, and then you switch and focus on the foreground, and it's something revealing about the story, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah That's absolutely. a great, great effect. You know, you could make a filter that would literally be dream sequence filter, and <laughs> you, you sort of apply that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it, and it's an interesting part about this whole idea that we I mean obviously it's focused on photos. It's just a question of how far you could go with video, which is just rapid fire photo. Mm -hmm. David, do you think you could actually apply filters at sixty times a second? Well, so we we do support uh, the the preview mode, which does work real time on a you know limited scale image. Right, and that's mostly about letting people try different filters without having to wait, like just. What about this? What about this? What about this? Exactly. So you can have one of those apps that, uh, you know, you click, okay, I want to apply magical. And then you sort of wave your phone around and you see what it looks like before you press snap. Right. So that's what it can be used for. But And you could, I mean, technically you could do a video or and a user would certainly perceive it as a video. We don't, however, provide a good way of saving that as a video. So right. at the end, it will have to be a single image. You can ha create a GIF animation, but that's uh, you'll still need several recorded snapshots for that to work. We, we don't provide a good way of camera to GIF directly. And this is not an open source project. You're not actually giving away the source code. You're just letting it, anybody use it free of charge. Exactly, yeah. So this is my Microsoft property, but it is uh, the SDK itself is free. You can use it in all of the projects. You just download it and it works. And you're free to extend it in any way you choose. With the we support custom filters and custom effects. Right. There's a subtle difference mm -hmm. in inside what those mean. What is the difference between a filter and an effect? Okay, so uh, I was explaining the tile-based things yep. before, and those are what we call filters. The effects are more complicated. So let's say bokeh is an effect because you you just can't provide all of that functionality, all of that processing on the tile-based, on the limited uh, stuff that the tile gives you. Right. So you, for, for effects, you do need the whole image, which mm -hmm. is, of course, 
taxing on the performance and we do have some quality settings that you can apply to those effects to make it still run on a low-end device but that will be uh, that's a difference between the two so when you see a fog filter in in the app you know that okay that will be used with, on tile based and that will be really fast when you see HDR effect you know okay this is an expensive thing this will this will need the whole image right and so that I mean that's really the separation between the two although when I'm looking down the list there's something called filter effects I'm like uh oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so that's uh, a construct uh, of ours so it's nothing intimidating but your rendering chain will always look as in you'll have the image source yeah then you'll have an effect and then you'll have a render Right. And the filter effect is simply a container for all the filters. So you can have, if you want to apply milky filter, you will need a filter effect in the chain. To, so ju that's just how it fits in the SDK. But one filter effect can have many filters. So you can, you can combine, you can have a paint filter and then a milky filter and then a levels filter and then, you know, something crazy that you thought up on your own. Mm. So .NET Rocks filter, it will just paste a .NET Rocks just on top of the image. And and then you'll have a render, right? Right. And I see you've got support for chroma key. So we could literally be doing this green screen of somebody laying a totally different background in on them and cartoonizing if they them if we want. Huh. Exactly. That's that's exactly what that is crazy meant time. for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we always go back to the silliest thing we could do. That's right. <laughs> I think that just says a lot about us, really. Uh, speaking of uh, Chroma Key, there was an interesting sample posted online that also we didn't, as a team, didn't think of. And that was having the preview. And the app was, you had your preview, and then you would tap on a color in the image. And that, that whole color with a certain distance would get replaced by a movie you were you were you had stored on your device. No oh my. So wow. if you had a if somebody was standing in front of a desk, you could play a movie behind them. But ex as I've said before, that only works on the preview. You can't really save that. But it's still a very cool effect. Hmm. Wow. No kidding. And again, you get back to this idea of how many different camera apps do you really want. But like I'm looking at Kids Story Builder. Now that's a cool idea. Just a, an app that actually allows you to take photographs and incorporate them into a kid's story. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if that one is already on, on the market, but may, maybe one of the viewers will pick it up. But uh, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it's a Windows Phone app you can install. It's free. And it's just that exactly that idea that you could give your phone to your kids and let them create a story just running around the house, taking pictures and adding dialogue and, you know, constructing that whole effect. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. Wow. There's people doing cool stuff with your SDK, David. It's amazing. <laughs> and not just taking the best picture ever. What about something like red eye removal? Uh, so red eye removal isn't in the current imaging SDK, so in the released one. But we do have a new major coming, uh, which will also be rebranded. So if somebody is listening to the show from a while ahead and is looking for the Nokia imaging SDK, it will probably be renamed already to Lumia Imaging SDK. Right. And in the new major version, we also have plenty of, you know, new new stuff coming that I can't really talk about, but uh, it, it's worth it to check it out, I promise. 
For sure. And I, and I noticed that on the Microsoft site, the blog post about this calls it Lumia Imaging. But when you actually go to NuGet, it's Nokia Imaging. So the name mm-hmm. transformation is already underway. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So we have a few minutes left. Um, let's think of some other feature or cool app or something that we can show off here. One thing I can point out is the Lumia Selfie application that's came onto the market lately. <laughs> uh, it's using the SDK and it's an internal app. So in the Lumia Selfie, you'll have, you know, you'll take a picture and it has the app itself. It has some interesting tricks up its sleeve that uh, that isn't using our imaging SDK. So let's say if you, your phone doesn't have a front facing camera, you, you can just uh, flip the phone, use the rear fl- facing camera, and it will sort of beep to navigate when your face is in the center of the image. Oh, nice. And then take a picture automatically. So it's really been thinking how to how to get the imaging fun to to low end devices as well. That's such a cool idea because yeah, it doesn't the, there's a Lumia that's like called the selfie phone because it has a great front facing camera, so you can see the screen. Yep. But if you don't have that camera, the idea that the phone would maybe decide to take the picture itself when it knew you were framed right. Yeah, exactly, and that's something that that app tries to take effect. And even I've tried it, and I thought it was a good idea Mm -hmm. uh and then one thing that i wanted to point it out it sort of ties into our conversation so far is the magic shot in there so that's also using lens blur and it sort of finds your face in the image it blurs the background in this really nice progressive blur so you'll see a really smooth transition between the focused area and the edge area which is really blurred Mm -hmm. and and it will even, you know, have some of the smart uh, combinations there. So if it detects two faces, then it will use some of the constructs of the SDK to sort of blend to uh, the two faces together. So it will, it will, it won't blur one face and keep the other one in focus. It will right. actually be smart enough to have both of them in focus and then blur the rest. And it's a really beautiful effect. That's really cool. How does it recognize faces? Is there specifically a, a call to find face? So, unfortunately, there isn't in the imaging SDK. It's not so much, uh, there isn't a lot of face technology in there yet. Right. But, uh, but there are, they are using some internal technology that has face, you know, face manipulation, face recognition. So, in the app, you'll also see, you know, options like enlarge eyes and, you know, slim nose and things like that. Right. So, and that isn't done with the SDK, with our SDK, but, they certainly know their way around faces and they can detect them and they can do stuff with them. Yeah, when I think about SLR cameras have been tracking faces for a while, but getting it into your phone, that's, you know, taking it up a notch. Yeah, exactly. We're certainly seeing a lot of new stuff happening on on the phones and even on those, you know, really low-end phones that uh, it's it's quite amazing what, what we can do. So if somebody is listening to this and they're like, yes, this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to dive into this and get become an expert. Is there any kind of, um, I don't know, I wouldn't say like MVP program, but is there anything that you do to sort of evangelists that help uh, spread the word or, or, you know, do speaking or training or something? Nothing that I do personally. Uh, there is a program uh, that develops all sort of samples and cool applications of the imaging SDK and that's all online if you search for 
the name. You know, different time frames have different names for the image SDK. Uh-huh. But you know, you'll find plenty of the of the stuff. So there will be a developer forum where you can ask questions, where we answer questions, both developers and a group that's focused on on solving developer pro- problems. So so that's sort of what what we have. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there's lots of sample apps off the blog post I included in the uh, show notes. Great. So you can you can take just about any of these things out for a spin. I also saw that on Stack Overflow, the the discussion is, I mean, the the tag is quite active, so there will be resources there as well. Some of them are answered by us. Mostly, it's just by community. They they seem to use the SDK a lot and know their way around it, which makes us very proud. Yeah, there's a, there's a Lumia Imaging SDK tag. Awesome. Well, uh, is there anything else that we missed before we wrap it up? This is great stuff. Oh, I, I don't think I have to point out any of the uh, specific filters. I think we've been quite thorough. I would just like to point out that, you know, it's this is really uh, SDK written with a non-imaging expert in mind. So mm. don't be intimidated by the bouquet and by the big names. It's, you know, just getting some a cartoon filter out. It's literally, you know, three lines of code. So cool. <laughs> nice. You can have something on your screen very easy and then go from there. And hopefully, you know, it will provide you enough uh, learning curve that you will learn something, then learn something more about imaging, and then think about how to bring that on the phone and hopefully into some into the store. So awesome. David, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a 